You already know the story that you should be telling that will break the chains of your past and bring healing to your present. This healing creates a ripple effect out towards your future as well as to those around you. That quote is by Cody Chen, writer, teacher, and coach. Welcome to the Sidetrack Legacies podcast, episode number 73, Telling Healing Stories. Today, I am interviewing Cody Chen. She is the co-owner with her wife, Renee, of HeartWorks Writing. She loves traveling, coaching writers, editing, and all things writing. I talk with her about her interesting writing journey, and we get into her suggestions for writers who have challenging stories to tell. We also talk about what to do if others have different memories of a story event. She gives some tips to solve writer's block, what to look for when you want to find a sacred group or writing community, and how to set yourself up to give and receive feedback effectively. Welcome. This is the Sidetrack Legacies Podcast, and I'm your host, Lisa Hoffman. Do you have ideas and thoughts that you'd like to share with your children or grandchildren? Have you learned some life lessons that might help others? If you answered yes to either of these questions, you need to get it down on paper. The world needs your stories, values, wisdom. We call this legacy work. The Sidetrack sisters have been getting together to write for years, and the topic that we most enjoy writing about is ourselves, who we are, what we've done, and what we believe. Now, we want to extend the invitation for others to join us. So, grab a notebook, journal, or laptop, and listen in while the Sidetrack sisters share thoughts and tips on how to uncover, communicate, and preserve your stories. So one more quick thing before we dive into today's episode. Please rate and review the Sidetrack Legacies podcast because it will help others find us. And also, be sure to subscribe or follow us on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to be notified whenever we have a new episode. And now, here we go. Well, welcome, Cody. I'm so excited for us to get together and talk today. Yes. Thank you so much. I'm so glad that you reached out. I'm really excited to do this. So I found you on the memoir writers, um, Facebook page Mm -hmm. and what you had put in there just looked really engaging and fun and warm. And I thought this looks like my kind of girl. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Thank you. I do the different YouTube videos, which is probably what you saw for a different um, community. And I talk all about writing there. So and I, I, I checked a couple of those out too. I thought I, I checked out your first one and part of your second one. And it was like, wow, those were really interesting and really put together. Well, um, I was wondering on those videos, do you, um, do you script them or was that off the cuff? Right? No. So they're pretty, off the cuff. Like I script a little bit of what I'm saying and depending on really what I'm talking about, I'll have just kind of an outline, like this, 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 you know, make sure to cover in that kind of order, but really it's, I just go and, and then record several times because I might get halfway through and mess it up and just feel like I can do it over again anyway. (laughs) Exactly. No pressure. Yeah. Okay. Cody, your name is Cody Elizabeth Chen. And, um, your, your handle is, uh, 
at Cody Elizabeth. Yes. But you're anyway, Cody, Ch- Cody Elizabeth Chen. And you just would go by Cody, though, I'm assuming. I do. Yeah, 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 for okay. sure. So, Cody, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and about your writing journey? We'd love to hear it. Yes, thank you. Um, so I grew up in Michigan and I now live in Austin, Texas. Um, but I did do a ton of traveling in the meantime. So I got my degree from Western Michigan University in travel and tourism through the geography department. I always knew that I wanted to be a writer always. I don't remember ever there being a time where anything else was going to be it, but I really wanted to be a writer. And, um, I feel like a lot of writers who want to do it as a career, you need a lot of different life experiences not need for me. I felt like that was the best path. And so I loved to travel. I love the idea of it. So I got a degree in it, which was awesome. And then I did a bunch of traveling and living abroad. And I actually taught English as well. I know you were saying that you were a school teacher. Yeah. Yeah. I taught mostly kindergarten, um, and then through elementary, Mm -hmm. some middle school, and then adults for private, um, you know, language teaching as well. What countries did you teach in? So I taught in South Korea, um, but I did a lot of moving and traveling in that time while I was living there before and after, but teaching was mainly in Korea. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Did a little bit in America as well as I was like, you know, learning how to do it. So, um, so it's definitely a teacher, loved doing that, kept a blog, when I was, I think it was just before I started to live abroad um, and wanted to have a way to keep in touch with my friends and family mm-hmm. and let them know what was going on. And then also just, I, like I said, I've always been a writer and really wanted to see what did I like to write about and kind of explore that while other people saw it, not just journaling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, learning more about the editing process and feedback and stuff like that. Um, And then I moved back to America with my wife Mm -hmm. and um, because we met in South Korea (laughs) and we moved to Texas because that's where she's originally from. We had jobs here. And you had to go halfway around the world to find each other, huh? And then come back to the United States. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. And especially at the time, we were very happy that we had the same citizenship because we could not get married at that time or that would have made things very difficult. So very lucky, um, in wow. that way. And, uh, to be. it totally was. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so we came back to America for, um, different jobs, working in nonprofit. And at the same time, I decided to do some freelance writing to see what I actually like to do. There's a ton of freelance writing opportunities from resume writing to article writing to, I mean, you name it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted to see what I actually enjoyed doing. So I spent a couple of years doing some freelance stuff and eventually um, stopped that, did a little more work and uh, with the nonprofit that I was doing and accidentally kind of created a mental health writing company. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was specifically for residential treatment centers. That's what we were working with as well as different therapy offices helping them stay um, correct with their documentation and make sure that everything is written very concisely, very well. It also freed up a lot of time for the therapist to have 
hands-on time with the child or with that client to not have to spend all their time doing something that doesn't really come naturally to them necessarily like writing, but is extremely important as far as like, you know, the state or the federal government goes, which is who we were working with. Mm-hmm. So we ended up just building up a company um, and doing that specific writing training, all these different people. And we ended up um, selling that uh, assets to that part of the company to our head writer. So uh, we, we moved away from that because that can get, um, it's very difficult, like uh, emotionally writing about abuse a lot every day, all day, but it's so important that we couldn't just drop it. And our head writer wanted to make it her own company. So we arranged for that, which was amazing. And that officially transitioned over in January. Oh, just recently. Yeah. Yeah. We, we did it uh, halfway through last year and just the whole transition we took about, you know, six, four months, something like that. Um, And so that's pretty wonderful. We still do consulting with them and everything and to help out as needed, but if anyone's a therapist or, you know, is curious about that, definitely reach Mm -hmm. out to me and I will put you in touch with that person. Um, but in the meantime, I decided to do copywriting and editing and ghostwriting and content writing, and then also book and content coaching, kind of whatever is thrown our way. If I feel confident in it, you know, we'll totally do it. And, wow. uh, so that's a little bit about my writing journey. Cool. So wait, let, let's go way back to the beginning where <laughs> you said you've always known that you wanted to be a writer and a writer. And so mm-hmm. what's your first memory of writing? Do you, is, does it go back? I mean, to like elementary school, where, where did you start? Yeah. Okay. So two memories immediately popped into my mind. The first one was, do you remember like those old, um, actually they're probably still around, but like I think it was Highlights Magazine yes. for kids. They also would always insert an animal, like a two-page animal, like pamphlet on like this, you know, month was a tiger, this month was an elephant, et cetera, et cetera. I would take those pamphlets because I loved animals, you know, also and still do. And I would, for some reason, just copy every single thing that was written on those pamphlets. I would just transcribe it. And I, for some reason, just loved it. I found it comforting, soothing, mindless. And I also, you know, thought it'd be cool to be like a teacher when I grew up too. So I don't know what I was thinking, but I remember doing that. Um, but then my own personal writing, we had a bunch of like picture books in a library in school, right. Um, a bunch of teachers had it and they would have no words, just pictures. And it's more of like an imaginative book, but I would sit and write the plot lines out to all of those books in, in like our recess time or our free time. <laughs> <laughs> I loved looking at the pictures and imagining the story and then writing it. <laughs> oh, wow. I bet your teachers love that. We did. Yeah. yeah. I remember them having a good time and I'd get my friends to do it with me too. So it was probably just like my teachers felt great that they <laughs> It was an educational thing that kids were excited about. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, that's, that's an activity that I've done with kids oh, I love and that. that, that enthusiasm is, is contagious and you get just, you know, a kid, one kid in your class is all it takes to ignite a spark in the whole class. And I bet you were that for your class. So your Ugh. teachers were like, thank you. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I just started doing it on my own too. Like during our reading time, that's just when I decided to do it and then roped in everyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what? I think that would have, I wish I would have been able to do that with my kids when I was a teacher. 
because uh, I think just hearing the different imagination come out and the different stories that would come from just the same picture would be incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are actually books that you can um, get off of different sites that have like um, like animals that have talking bubbles and that are blank that the kids uh-huh. fill in, you know, where the animals are talking to one another. I love that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to get that for like my niece and nephews. I'm yeah. going to find one of those. Thank you for telling me. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And just so those kinds of things to, to encourage kids to, to write are just, I, I mean, I think it's so much fun, yeah. <laughs> but, um, the, the kids, you know, listening to you do it just, you know, out of your own, um, in, out of your own desire for that is, is just really tells where that, that spark is just really in you. It's not something that you've had to foster. It sounds like yep. it is who you are. Yes. Yes. There is no real, I mean, I would be pretty miserable if that was, I didn't have an outlet like that or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I was really protective of it actually though, like, because I always knew I was going to be a writer, I actually tend to lean on the advice of, uh, I, I heard Elizabeth Gilbert say it, who is mm-hmm. of course wrote Eat, Pray, Love and a bunch of other amazing books. Mm-hmm. Um, but she had talked about when she first started freelancing and everything, she always made sure it was literally up until Eat, Pray, Love Um, Because when you make millions upon millions of dollars, you get to take a step back and relax for a minute. But (laughs) like, (laughs) she really focused on um, not making her art the main source of her income and putting all that pressure on her art. So she always had another job to pay her bills. And if money came in through her writing, then that was amazing. But she wasn't putting all the pressure on her art to be financially successful. And I've really honed that as well, where I already knew it was a part of me. I don't really have a choice in it. So I'm not going to put all this crazy pressure on myself until I created a very successful business and things like that. Yeah. I think um, I've heard it said, um, you know, don't expect your muse to pay the bills. Yeah. Your muse is there to inspire and to be ethereal and to to move you forward in your passion. But to expect that to, um, you know, like I said, pay the bills is um, a a sure way to really stifle and and kill that, that powerful um, spark. Absolutely. Yes, I agree. Um, so do you, you know, you, you have a, um, a, a business now, you, you, you mentioned that you sold one, your current business is called HeartWorks Writing. Yes. So you help um, businesses and individuals with their writing. Yes. Tell us yeah. a little bit about that. Yeah, definitely. So on the business side, we've been hired as a bunch of different things, um, either copywriting as far as when people have a difficult time really translating um, their either their mission, um, exactly their products and what they're selling and why they're amazing. Copywriting is very specifically marketing for writing. So there takes <clears throat> like some learning curve to do that, to be really good and successful at it. Also, you should really you know, we really aim to know our client very in, intensely as far as their business inside and out, just like they do. So we're able to put that in their own voice on their website, on their social media posts, emails, whatever it is, to be able to really help that business. And we really work with people that we truly believe in their business. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So we do copywriting. I love editing personally. I'm, I, let me toot my own horn. I'm an extremely (laughs) great editor. (laughs) Like I am very thorough. I am very picky. So if someone is looking for a really intense editor um, who is kind, that's me. Um, I just, I've always really liked it. And I feel like I, I earned my CELTA certificate to teach English as a second language, which was very heavy on grammar. Um, so I've got that down pretty well. Um, and then we also do ghostwriting. We have a book contract actually that we are ghostwriting someone's memoir. Um, I can't talk too much about it, but that's part of our services. And what a ghostwriter is, is you are, so let's say, um, Anne Jones wants Mm -hmm. to write her memoir, but she's Mm -hmm. busy and she doesn't think she's a very good writer. She will hire you and you'll kind of interview her and then you'll write her story down for her. But when the book is published, it comes out, written by Anne Jones with Cody Chen. Well, if they want to, actually, the person we're working with said, yes, I do want it written by either me and my wife or by Heartworks Writing, whatever ends up being on the book jacket, which is awesome. But also if someone said, I I want people to think I wrote it, I got no problem with that whatsoever, you know, because that's the that's part of the job. Um, And so that's what the ghostwriting entails. And then I love really, really, really love book and content coaching. So for if an individual, um, that's a lot of the individual things that we do is helping them write their story, whether it's fiction or nonfiction. Um, Personally, it's been most like, I would say 90% nonfiction is what people come to us with. Mm -hmm. And also because we worked in mental health for so long, nothing is shocking to us. Um, if people have a traumatic past or something like they don't have to deal with my feelings surrounding it or, or anything like that, it's totally focused on them and helping them get their story in a oftentimes like a book form that feels really good for them. So we meet them wherever they're at on that process, whether it's the very beginning baby seed of an idea and we help grow it or you're in the middle of it and you're totally stuck and you're not really sure what else to write about. We, we help people wherever they are in their own writing journey and really want to help that. And then of course, on the content side, that's normally for business. We work um, on a creative team with a nonprofit called Raisin in the Sun here. My wife and I uh, do work with them and we run their run their social media, but we create all the posts and stuff like that. So yeah, I was looking at that, the ad that, that was on somewhere with that. I love the drone footage, you know, from up above and beautiful cinematography on the Oh, that, you know, at that time, that was a Chris son. Let me drop her name here. She's (laughs) incredible. And she does a lot of podcast stuff as well. So yeah, they, they really know how to do their social media. And then I just do the words behind it, which is great. (laughs) Lovely. Um, So, you know, when you're, when you're talking about your, your company, um, one of the things that, I mean, we talked about before this interview started was that I'm in a very unique situation where I get together and I write with my sister and my mom and my aunt. I think there are so many people in the world that, that think, oh, I'm not a writer. Mm, Um, So many. 
What do you think about that concept? Do you think that that everybody can write? Do you think that it's a special breed of cat that can write? What's your opinion about that? My opinion is if you want to write a book, there are so many ways for you to do it that don't even involve you sitting down solo and writing a book. If the you know, act of doing it by yourself is intimidating. If you just don't have a clue what to do, there are so many resources out there that uh, it, it, it can look so many different ways. If you heard like Brene Brown talk about how she writes books, she gathers her friends, um, like two, three close friends, last I heard. Um, and they go and spend some time at like their lake house in Galveston, Texas. And then she talks about all of her ideas because she considers herself a storyteller and they take notes and they write it. And then they give her feedback and she runs to a room, quickly writes everything down or transcribes what's already been like recorded and then keeps it moving. And that's how she writes her book. It's a community act. It's not solitary. It's not like struggling. She's found this brilliant way that works for her. And so if you have a desire to write a book, fiction or nonfiction, you know, whether you consider yourself a good writer or not, that's what the editing phase is for. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, What's something that you said a little bit ago um, that I kind of want to revisit. You had said that because of your background in the mental health community, or you are able to edit and help people who have you know, significant traumas that they want to write about. Any words of advice? I mean, there are so many different, I mean, that, that's what makes a compelling story, doesn't it? I mean, that's what we want to hear those. Those are the really juicy stories. Um, You know, the, I had this issue and I came out on the other side and here is how I did it. Or this is, this is me. This is who caused me to be who I am today. Um, Do you have any good opinions or any thoughts about people who have really hard stories like that? Yeah, absolutely. Number one, I would, I recommend, um, definitely that when we write, uh, specifically like memoirs, um, or really hard things like that, I believe personally that therapy is, is a really important tool because when we write our stories, we are really diving in and opening up that bag of horror again. And, Sometimes we relive it. Sometimes we have to do this depending on how much you've dealt with this in the past, how much you've talked about it, you know, with a therapist or with not, it can really um, throw people for a huge loop um, and really break some things down. It stops, completely halts the writing process. Like, so I really suggest having support as you write the person whose memoir we're, we're working on. Um, they are also in therapy, uh, you know, we're anyway, uh, but you know, that was something we for sure said, like, we are not licensed therapists. Um, we, we can't act as such. We super suggest that if things get very difficult for you to talk about, but you definitely want in the book, you should definitely do this. And thankfully they were already doing that. And of course, like they've spent a lot of time sorting through their past. So I would say therapy number one And um, number two, I would say really sit and think about the boundaries that you want to have with your readers. So Mm -hmm. you don't have to share every single thing that happened in your life if you don't want to, even if it's massively significant. You get to have boundaries with your art, excuse me, and with your audience. And I would say just 
constantly remembering that and only sharing what feels comfortable to you, mm-hmm. or even start off by journaling first, doing a little editing, figuring out what you want to talk about, don't want to talk about, et cetera. That's very important as well. Mm, excellent point. Um, what do you think about, um, you know, coming back to myself and, and the sidetrack sisters, we get together, um, my, me and my sister, my mom and my aunt. And as I mentioned before the call started is my mom and my aunt often disagree about what happened. And there has even been this like, why are you, you know, being so mean to me about this? This is the way it was. You are wrong. <laughs> um, you know, how do you deal with that when um, and somebody's sharing something and maybe there's another family member or they worry about a family member having a different memory of that event? Yes. So we definitely talk about this um, when we do coaching for sure. Actually like dealing just with a defamation of character issues is kind of where that mm-hmm. falls under. And that can get legally messy and kind of nasty. Um, so we definitely talk about that. I would say the, the number one thing that you should really focus on is how you felt during that situation. How were you affected? What did you see or feel during that time, right? Number one, I would say when you're in the beginning process and it's all stream of consciousness writing, write every single thing you remember, call that person a billion names if you need to, to get the energy out of your body, like whatever you need to do. And remember that like, I mean, honestly, kind of what is truth anyway? Um, We all have come at things with our different perceptions and viewpoints and experiences and just because you remember one thing one way and someone remembers one thing another way, maybe logistically something can be true, but emotionally it can be very different experiences for those people to honor that and remember that. And then as far as like legality goes, as far as publishing and things like that, uh, a big key is to really focus on your own personal experience. Don't call, like don't name call, you know what I'm saying? Like really stick to what you remember as facts If you're very concerned, hire a lawyer to review that, have the person who you're possibly worried about sign over rights to be able to publish that thing or work with them to really figure out what they're comfortable with and not, especially you don't want to ruin a really good familial relationship or friendship over something that could be avoided. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think, I I think that's a very common thing. Um, where two people will come. I mean, you're, you're talking about many of these writings that we're doing are about ourselves 30, 40 years ago. And, um, you know, the memory is a, is a crazy thing. Oh, um, and, and even looking at it from the difference of ages, you know, if I was 12 and this was happening and my sister was 17, mm. the perspective isn't, isn't that where one person's lying and the other person is telling the truth. It's that you have different experiences um, and, and your, your brain remembers things from your, your age and your vision and your, 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 the place that you're at. And that yeah. is a very different place than, than the other people may be, have been at. Yes. Yes. Avoid. Uh, I would say avoid, like I said, name calling, avoid uh, diagnosing people um, without mm. a proper diagnosis. People yeah. like to do that. Uh, and that is a major no, no. That's not yeah. really your place anyway. You know what I'm saying? Even if you are a licensed professional and you have your hunches, <laughs> I mean, unless that person is taking that formal test for you, like it's, it's not okay uh, to diagnose someone or even drop a 
they're probably X, Y, Z, you know, that will definitely get you into trouble and you wouldn't want a narcissist. They've always been a narcissist, right? That is the word that throw gets uh, completely thrown around. They got narcissistic personality disorder. Yes. (laughs) You actually probably have no idea what literally it means in every single thing that you Oh, but there's, there's checklists that you can get now on the internet. Download the internet for free. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I'm talking about. I know what you're talking about. Exactly. I would avoid words like uh, narcissist. Like I would really just say, I didn't feel honored, seen. I never felt Mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. Focus the attention back on you. You, you need to tell your story, not someone else's story. Mm -hmm. I guess that's really what it boils down to is, is telling your own story. Um, And as, as we mentioned before, you know, and, and some of our best stories that really people gravitate toward are those stories that have high emotions Mm -hmm. and that have a compelling, um, you know, change in character, you know, something I used to be this way, this happened and, and it, it changed me. So now I'm this, you know, this other way. Mm-hmm. What do you have for, um, let's say somebody comes to you and they have a great story idea, but there is a, a lot of emotional baggage that comes along with it. And so they have what they might be calling writer's block. Mm-hmm. What would you, um, you know, say to somebody who, who wants to write, but it's having a hard time getting started? For sure. Well, number one, I have a video all about writer's block. There you go. <laughs> okay. On my website mm-hmm. that I've posted under free writing resources. But I would also just really say, number one, writer's block, it's great to identify why it happens. Um, meaning like, are you in a place where you're feeling super overwhelmed and um, things feel really difficult to write about because you have a lot of other outside things happening in your life and you really just can't focus on your story anymore. You're not necessarily that interested. Maybe you feel like you have covered everything and what else is there to say about anything else, right? Mm-hmm. That's where I've met a couple of people where they said, well, I feel like I've talked about all this and here are my other chapters that I've outlined, but nothing feels good or relevant anymore. So we ask thought-provoking questions as to like, okay, on this theme, what about this, this, and this? And it's just fresh ideas that people haven't thought of. So I would say hire a book coach for like an hour or something just to help you get unstuck. Mm -hmm. Um, So identifying why it happens and then what to do about it. You know, there are different things, certain situations, you'll want to go for a walk to just kind of clear your head, move the energy, maybe get some energy out or, or regain some energy to be able to focus. Um, maybe you need to change your location physically. So like you're, you're uninspired and bored sitting in your office the whole time. So maybe this week you go to a coffee shop. And you, you know, just change up your environment a little bit. I would say, don't wait for inspiration to strike in order for you to pick up your writing again, because it becomes such a long time often that uh, people don't go back to their writing. And then it becomes this overwhelming kind of anxiety inducing thing. Mm -hmm. And you're way less likely to pick up your writing again when, when you haven't done it for so long. So if Maybe even creating a daily practice where you say, I'm going to sit here for 10 minutes. I'm going to come on, write whatever comes to mind and just see, you know, even if I get 50 words on, you know, this document, that's going to be good enough. Cause at least I did mm-hmm. something. Yeah. Do you have a daily writing habit? I do not. <laughs> like, isn't that funny? I, uh, I'm not a person who thrives off of routine. <laughs> 
exactly. You know, um, my first journal was one of those um, a journal a, a journal a day for five years and it had a little lock on it. Oh, yeah. And I remember I wrote in it on January 1st yeah. and maybe January 2nd. And then I was like, oh, I'll write about that tomorrow. And, and I got behind and it was like, then the journal was wrecked because the journal is done at that point. It's done. And I never wrote in it again. I, I had to wait till the next year, you know, to yeah. start over again. And uh, so people that say they, you know, write every day, I just give those people kudos because. Yeah. You know, I do write every day because it's my job. Um, you know what I'm saying? Like mm -hmm. I, I, I have a bunch of projects happening, so I am writing, but that's I different than absolutely. I don't sit there and like 8am every morning I'm at my computer and I'm working on this novel. I will actually, I'm in the interview process as far as that, that book writing goes, the book contract. So eventually when I am in the full-blown writing stage, I will develop some sort of writing routine like that, just out of necessity. Right. And I'm super excited to even get to that point. Yeah. Um, but right now it's a lot of like random projects of like editing or, um, you know, grant writing I'm actually doing right now. And all these other different projects where I'm actively writing, but it's totally different types of writing for everyone else. Yeah. And I mean, when you're doing writing, it's, it, it is, I mean, there's this beautiful book. I don't know if you're familiar with uh, a book called the artist way by Julia Cameron heard of it. Haven't yet read it. Yes. I love that book. And she talks about whatever profession you're in, you should be writing. She wants you to write three pages every day just to get the gunk out, to be able to get, oh, get, yeah. get things flowing. And, yes. and like I mentioned before, the difference between journal or diary writing and legacy writing, you yeah. don't want that gunk to be passed on to your kids. That's not the goal of that. That's something yeah. you put, um, in a journal. Um, and as a matter of fact, I do have those journals. As a matter of fact, I just found my journal from 1979. It's Love in it. pieces. Oh, and I'm talking about, you know, these, my first boyfriend, it's, but, but it's for me. It's not for my kids. It's not for anyone. It's just for me. They can read it when I die. Yeah. Like, it's like, <laughs> I have a whole, a whole box at my mom's house up in Michigan, mm -hmm. full of journals from when I think I started when I was around somewhere between six and 10, somewhere around there. Yeah. And yeah. so a whole box full. And then here I still have a whole box full from when I was more of an adult. And yeah, yeah. You know, I pretty much write, it's either that stream of consciousness writing core, yep. you know, the brain dump. I love that daily practice. Yeah. So very important. I would say like, we really encourage people to do that as well, especially for writer's block or imposter syndrome, get all that, that words, that energy out of your body until you're empty of it. Yes. You know? mm -hmm. And uh, so that's what a lot of my journaling is for, but you're absolutely right. I'd also talk about this in another video of different types of personal writing where there is a massive difference between journaling mm -hmm. and then putting something out there for public consumption or family consumption. You want it to be edited thoughtful, well-written, you know, you don't just want the blah of your internal dialogue that could be very hurtful, but very necessary for you to get out anyway, yep. you know? Exactly. Yeah. Different, different, um, goals to those different pieces of writing. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, now when you're talking about, you know, family, seeing it, let me move into writers communities. Now you had mentioned, what did you say before? Do you, um, 
recommend people be in writers groups. You know, it's it, writing can be such a solo activity. I know you had mentioned about Brene Brown and and her writing right. technique of getting people who who know her and support her in a warm, encouraging um, way that it sounds like they can really hold space and provide honest feedback for her. Yeah. What do you um, recommend in terms of that? Because like I said, I know it with me and my sister and aunt and mom, that's a very unique community where we're then able to, to share with one another and laugh. It does help that we, we do have a few margaritas thrown in there. <laughs> right? <laughs> yes. Um, so what do, you, what do you have to say about people and, and writing with other people? Yeah, I think it is brilliant. I've actually been tossing around the idea of my brain of just hold, like hosting like our basically our own company's like monthly meetup writing something. Um, I, right now I'm a little too busy for it, but it's something that's been going on in my brain for a while because it's so fantastic. I love connecting with other writers. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it can feel very solitary um, and just you feel kind of excluded and people don't really understand what you're doing. Also, you don't necessarily want to show other people what you're working on before it's finished because you want to be very protective of feedback that you get. You know, if someone's like, oh, wow, this book's just like, and then they name another <laughs> popular book that can be really like soul crushing. So like, it is not like that, you know, but, mm-hmm. um, so you really have to be protective of it. And, and a way to do that is to be with other writers who have that same goal and the same understanding of when to share what they're working on and how to share it and who to share it with is really huge. Mm-hmm. So when you have a beautiful, like kind of sacred group, of people, you of course need to find your community who you feel very comfortable around. I certainly would not suggest joining just any random writing group, Mm -hmm. um, especially because if you're someone who doesn't love um, intense feedback and this group is all about being, you know, really honest, brutally honest in their own opinions or Mm -hmm. harsh, um, I would never join a group like that because that's not how I operate best. Um, personally, but other people totally do. So finding a community that you really feel safe with, feel good with, um, and feel really comfortable where you can be your authentic self and really work on your art and your craft or whatever you're doing and getting feedback from people who actually know what they're talking about. Like, Mm. you know, sharing your book with a spouse, who's not a writer, maybe they just don't get it, (laughs) you know, like not their cup of tea. Yes, exactly. But like, you need to find people who do understand the writing process and who do totally get it and are there for you. And they can be your support, you know, look Mm. for support where it exists, not where you kind of hope it might exist. Yeah. So, um, so coming at it from the other side, if somebody comes to you and, and wants that, that feedback, you were saying that you're, you're, that the kind of feedback that you'd like, um, is supportive yet honest. How do you find that, that balance that, <laughs> you know, well, that's the editing part. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so my, um, I would really say I try to be Uh, really encouraging. I love people doing anything artful, anything creative, thoughtful. I think it's one of the most fantastic things in the entire world. So I always want to encourage it. And for me, I love a big like cheerleader. I love knowing what I'm doing. Correct. I love people holding me accountable. I love people 
um, pushing me a little bit further. And by that, like the, the, how I give feedback is very direct, Mm -hmm. but it's more of like, um, maybe this pair, a lot of times editing is cutting down a lot of people's work, not, Mm -hmm. um, like physically the length cutting it down. Mm -hmm. And so it would be like, you know what, uh, this, you already hit this, um, point home so you can get rid of this entire paragraph. And that's so hard. That's so hard. Yep. (laughs) Well, right. And I'm a writer, so I get it too, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Um, and, and I also super suggest that people only, only read edits or feedback when they are in a positive, Mm -hmm. comfortable mindset. If you are in a space where you're like, I'm just not feeling great today. And I had a hard day and I, I did some things wrong, or maybe I was called out for doing things that apparently was wrong or whatever. That is not the time for you to read feedback on your art that might say, yeah, you already hit this. You can cut this. Or like, um, I don't really know what you're trying to say here. Can you clarify? Is this what you're trying to say? And maybe offer a different sentence, right? Mm-hmm. If it, if you're not in a space to receive that, then now it's not, you know, wait a day, (laughs) like the edits aren't going anywhere. Just chill out. Right. Right. And so I also just try to make sure to tell people like, look, because you see a, a, um, a line crossed out or a comment next to a lot on your whole entire thing does not reflect the quality of your work. I believe the quality of your work is most likely excellent, but I want to make it like professional excellent, you know, Mm -hmm. and really have an editor's eye on it. And you're paying for an editor to do these things. And you should definitely expect to have edits. Like that's just kind of how that, that everybody gets edits. It doesn't matter how professional you are. Yeah, no, no. And, and they're necessary. Think about movies, think about all the books, think about TV shows. They are constantly edited to the point where even an actor in a movie has no idea what the final product of the movie actually looks like until it's done. Cause it's been edited like crazy. And those are all very professional people. Yeah, You don't get to be the one unicorn who, who has no notes ever. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's so, I mean, just in the, in the short writings that we do, um, I know sometimes we've, we, we sat there and it's like, okay, the prompt or what we were writing about was this. And you talked about this and then you went off on this other thing. It yeah. doesn't have anything to do with what we were talking about here. Cut it. Yeah. It was like, oh, but it was so interesting and so fun and so important. It's like, but it didn't, cu- it wasn't what we were writing about. Right. So, and also like find another place to put it, you know? Yeah. So <laughs> or, you don't or, have to, to kill it and bury it. Just save it for, for another something else. I know another else. problem that we sometimes get into is, um, when we were talking about journal writing, I think one of the, the things that that's nice about journal writing is kind of that brainstorming part of it. Yeah. I know that a couple of, of weeks ago we were getting together and um, my aunt Judy specifically, we were writing and she got done writing or reading her writing. And we were all like, well, you told about what you thought about the topic, but you didn't paint any pictures. <laughs> and we were all like, yeah. we all just kind of sat there and she's like, I know it was so hard to write this. And then she went home and she, she chopped off like 90%. And then she read it to me on the telephone later. And it was like, yes, now it's like, but she had to get through that muck to then get to what she wanted to write about because just hearing her opinions about the topic. No one's flat. (laughs) Right. Oh, I think that's so important. And that's such a great 
that's why feedback is so important. You know, like sometimes we need other eyes to really help us hone in on what we're trying to say in the way we're trying to say it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think that's awesome. Unfortunately, you aren't able to say here, have another margarita when um, you're (laughs) offering that advice. (laughs) I know, right? You just kind of, I just got to trust the client that they're doing it themselves. (laughs) Like I really have to put that trust in people because um, I, you know, it can be really uncomfortable to give and receive feedback, especially if you don't know the person super duper well, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, so I just like to try to get to know the person as much as possible, build a trusting relationship, and then really explain that like, here is the point of editing and how I personally do it and mm-hmm. why I do it this way. And here's what you should do <laughs> and when you should read it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. I mean, this is so much fun talking to you, Cody. I mean, I can imagine that people who work with you do find you to be a very um, thorough um, person who is able to offer the wisdom that you have in a in a way that, that your, your clients are able to receive because you're not doing it with a sharp tongue or with malicious intent. Not that right. there are Thank many you. editors out there who do have malicious intent, there but, are not that many. <laughs> you know, but you have wisdom that you're, you really seek to, to present in a very um, caring and, um, and loving way to be able to help people forward on their journey. Thank you. Thank you. I really try. That is really the point. I want people to be creative and no one should be made to feel like they're not doing a good job with their creativity or not doing enough or anything like that. Um, Mm -hmm. It's probably one of the worst things you could do to a a human, I would say, is stifle that. Yeah. And, you know, whether you're working with kids or you're working with um, grandmas, um, I, that, that word that you just said, creativity, I think the creativity and the contributing to the world and our community is really something that people, we're, we're encouraging people to do, you know, right now people are, are, are so isolated mm-hmm. and so used to just, um, taking in media, you know, a consuming content mm-hmm. And it's really by putting it out there, putting ourselves out there, putting our ideas out there, writing down our thoughts um, that we are, are really creating something of value and yeah. of worth to um, the world and, and the people we love and the people that will be served by that. Absolutely. Yes, I fully agree. So Cody, where are, where are you found? Tell us where we can where and find you on all the things. Yeah, you can, excuse me, find my website at www.heartworksw.com. You can shoot us an email through there to learn about any of our other services. And then you can find me on social, me personally at Cody Elizabeth and uh, our business at Heartworks Writing on Instagram. Okay. Now I found that interesting. I, I thought it was a typo at first. It was Heartworks W. Well, it's just a little less to type. Yeah. So I saw the W and I knew it. And I was like, Ooh, I almost skipped that. So I just wanted to make sure that it's um, that the fit, or is that the website. Honestly, yeah. That's a website. Yeah. That's the website. Okay. Heartworks W. w. Yeah. Okay. I don't have a Facebook page for the business. Okay. Um, just honestly, we just, there's so many different social media things. We pretty much stick with Instagram and we work on our own individual um, things we, we get a ton of clients by like doing interviews like this or yeah. being a part of different writing communities or different things. And that's how we find a lot of people. So I feel like 
sometimes I get lost in all the social media and I don't want to do it. <laughs> well, you have to, you really have to focus your endeavors to what's um, useful, what you feel comfortable with and where you get the biggest bang for your buck. Right. Yep. Yep. And yeah. it's really through our personal interactions. And so we focus on our personal pages and then have our work ones just for your information. And, <laughs> and the website's really where you can find a ton of information. Beautiful. Well, thank you, Cody. It's been wonderful talking to you. And I think our, our audience will be um, encouraged to get their, their writing down and know that you know, there is help out there if you get stuck. But really, the, the most important part of this whole gig is get your ideas down. And, Absolutely. You know, it doesn't have to be perfect. Um, and those powerful um, stories of hurt or abuse or ones that have shame um, are really ones that are, are so valuable that can't be lost, that need to be honored and shared because people really want to see themselves reflected in, in other people's art and yeah. know how other people dealt with the situations that they're going through. Mm -hmm. And it's so powerful. It's not a situation where you're looked down on because of something awful that you've done or something that's happened to you, but in the fact that it's changed you and you've learned and grow, grown through that situation is really where the meat is and what, what, yeah. I was like, people want to help it. other people and want people to feel less alone, which is why they share yeah. their stories. Yeah. So beautiful. Okay. Thanks, Cody. And I'm going to log off here. And all right. Thank you. And before we call it a wrap, I just want to say that I would absolutely love to hear from you. If you have any questions about what we talked about today or any other topics that you would like to see addressed on the podcast, just go to the Sidetrack Sisters page or the Sidetrack Legacies group on Facebook. We would love to engage with you and grow together on this legacy journey. Don't forget, if you like what you heard, please, please be sure to leave a review for us on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. And also, be sure to subscribe or follow us to be notified of new episodes. So, that about does it. Thank you so much for listening today. Our goal for this podcast is to inspire you to look at your own life, tap into the memories, find the wisdom, and write it down as a legacy for your loved ones. Until next time, take care. <laughs>